You're listening to the 3PM Podcast, brought to you by Enigma Voices. Now, here's your host, Callum Denning. Hello and welcome to the podcast. With more excitement than a night out in Barcelona with four of West Bromwich Albion's finest. It's the 3pm podcast and you may not know my voice. My name is Callum Denning. Here, standing in, I suppose, for the boy Kieran, uh, Etienne and Ruben are here as well. As always. Hello. Hello there. Never missing a day. Always here. We're missing. Misters, no days off. Yeah. Other than like the six weeks. Yeah, we other than other than the long Christmas break, but we we don't we forget about that. Disgraceful <laughs> commitment to the pod, in my opinion. But I'm here. I can hardly talk. It's my first appearance, first time listening to technically the pod, um, <laughs> despite Etienne's complaints. So I mean, I'm coming in. I'm coming in as a 3 p.m. virgin. <laughs> I'm ready to do this. You've made a, a, a tremendous start. I'm going to edit that later and take out 3 p.m. <laughs> Oh dear, well it's a good start to the show. Etienne, you're looking fresh, uh, just off the coach from Rochdale, I believe. Uh, not quite from Rochdale, but yeah, I am just off the coach back from Manchester this morning, straight into the studio. I haven't been home since Friday morning, but that's just, you know, follow. follow Where have Spurs you been staying? Away. Manchester. Just sleeping rough. Not not quite, though, no, but I mean, if University Halls... He's not that dedicated to going to football that he'll sleep rough over uh, the weekend claims to would. follow Spurs away but wouldn't even do that if if, oh, I would. if you had to go to a Spurs game and there were like no hostel rooms or anything and you had to like sleep outside in a tent overnight I mean I wouldn't bring a tent I just wouldn't sleep I just wander around I reckon just pull an all nighter yeah like yeah. I don't know it depends what night of the week it is maybe find a bar yeah and then just first train home go to a rave Oh, sit yeah. in the corner sober <laughs> oh I don't know about that talking I mean, about Spurs you got just so you're fresh for the next day you know? oh obviously yeah. you know, you've got to keep your wits about you especially in, up north well how was your weekend anyway uh, Etienne <laughs> apart from, apart from the disparaging north. the north how was your weekend <laughs> I love the north um, except for Rochdale actually um, it was it was alright it was you know I, I loved it at first they gave us like a whole stand on the side of the pitch which is quite rare for an away day they gave us three and a half thousand of their ten thousand stadium uh so you know loads of spurs about great view for once in an away end always handy or an away side uh but yeah so you know it sets the scene oh great you know then we see oh 11 changes standard should still win not a bad team though because there's no injuries so you look at the team on paper and thought it's still pretty still very good yeah, but I mean, other than Lucas, it was a pretty. It was a pretty lacklustre first half. It was quite even, actually. I yeah. described the first half, and then Rochdale nicked the goal at the end. And then I thought at half time, uh, Pochettino made a few changes without making a sub. He swapped Alderweireld and Foyth, and he went four four two with Lucas wide left, Sissoko nominally wide right. And then Son and Llorente up front. And honestly, until the equaliser, it was worse. It was up there with Newport for the worst 10, 15 minutes of the season. It was just horrific. So did Alderweireld start on the left and then Foy started on the right and then they swapped? Yeah. Of defence. Why? What What was the thinking behind that? Maybe uh, the Toby Dyack to Lucas. Yeah. But, I mean, Toby was sluggish. All these mm. people, all these kind of, you know people speculating on the reason as to why he didn't play against Arsenal and Juventus I think they saw yesterday why he didn't play because he's not ready yet he was sluggish he made mistakes which is very unlike him but you know he's not fit you talk about the replay he could probably do with the extra game um I was just going to say turn my mic down because I need to call. Okay, I can do that. Well, I'm going to ask you then Etienne on the topic of individual performances <coughs> did Lucas leave you screaming for Mora? He did leave me screaming for Mora. Uh, yeah, he was kind of the, the bright spark. It was a shame. I think everyone around me was kind of gutted when he had to go off. I mean, I assume it's fitness-wise, but yeah, he was he was lively. He was kind of as you... He was the only one that was kind of looked how you should against a team at the bottom of League One. Like, he, he looked lively. He was beating players every time he got the ball. And he took his goal brilliantly. So it's a shame he had to go off, but it's a really encouraging start I think not as encouraging for Spurs though it's your second replay in a row obviously Newport County took you to a replay now you're bringing Rochdale down to Wembley it's not ideal is it I'm not that fussed to be honest I mean 
Well, the manager will probably make eleven changes again. I mean, when the equaliser went in, I was almost—it was almost a wry smile more than anything that came onto my face. It's just this is what we do. This is who we are. And you know, I'm not sure I'd change us. We're the team that beats Arsenal, goes and gets a good result in Europe, and then draws with Rochdale. It's just—it's in our DNA. And I'm not fussed because we will still 100% go through. And Rochdale will make a load of money out of it, which, you know, I don't begrudge them. They've earned it. They played really well. You so. can just spin it as an act of kindness, <laughs> giving more teams trips to Wembley, because, you know... I saw someone do that on yeah, Twitter. for the money. But, um, you know, it was kind of that equaliser. It was kind of classic FA Cup, wasn't it? Big barrel-chested Scouse, 30-year-old striker. Great finish. Great finish. Excellent finish. From big Stephen Davis. So, you know, it, it happens. It shouldn't have happened. Uh, Spurs had obviously made all three subs Kane scores the penalty and then Tottenham had gone very gung-ho at that point so you've got the back four of which Toby was clearly ailing Danny Rose had just been near near on assaulted by one of the Rochdale players but was limping on because obviously no more subs so you think they maybe should have had the brains to not commit so many men forward because I mean Wanyama was poor throughout Sissoko you don't really trust to shield a back four and then you've got the other four just in the other half so you know it was a bit of naivety so Ruben uh, Spurs slightly gung-ho approach not the most controversial topic from the match there was of course that Deli Alley penalty that perhaps wasn't a penalty when the referee gave it I thought correct decision obviously Kane's going to score it and then on the replays I, I knew there was going to be a storm about diving especially because like, he has dived before, like, cal- made calculated dives. But this one, he's, there's there's contact, and that's not always a reason to go down, but there is enough contact, leg to leg, to impede him, I think. Which And he exaggerates it, but that's only because referees don't give penalties if I'm you don't sure do that. I'm not sure he has exaggerated Oh, he that has, much. he has. And, and don't get me wrong, like... I, I don't hate him for that, though. I don't see it as a big issue. He's exaggerated it, but I think he had to I'm anti-diving I, I admit Kane dived at Liverpool Delhi dived at Liverpool but the one yesterday I just I, it was looked obvious in the ground I watched it again this morning and it's just it just seems clear like he just like knee on knee brings him down he's through on goal he's just about to score I thought the debate should have been whether the Rochdale lad should have been sent off oh no that, Cause no, that would have been harsh because he does sort of withdraw from the tackle Delhi's about to score the Rochdale lad has no chance of getting the ball so I thought I thought it was a red to be honest they've changed those rules though haven't they so if you get a penalty from it then it's a yellow card but if it's outside oh, no, the it's, box it's, then it's last it's only it's only if you've if they've made an attempt for the ball and been late if they haven't made an, if they haven't made an attempt for the ball then it's still a red. And the Rochdale right. guy just, like, fouls it. I, I nah, just think it's so obvious. He's going for the ball. It's just a shit tackle. I don't know. I think the ball's well gone by this point. It I all just... happened so quickly. I think a red card would have been extremely hard. If it had been Kevin De Bruyne and not Deli Alley, no one would have been talking about it because it was a clear and obvious penalty. It's just because yeah. it's Deli Alley, And, and because... it's, the same with, it's the same with Wilfred Zaha. They've both got reputations. Because they draw fouls, they are good at drawing fouls, which I think is a skill. When they do get fouled, they get people assume it's a dive but. when things go against Liverpool right their fans will dig up absolutely anything to try and absolve them or make them feel better about their lack of victory and this is just the latest they've got a rabid campaign against uh, Tottenham as divers and you know that's fine that's fine but it just you know it just shows incredible bitterness in my opinion well, it's nice of Delhi to give us a wave in that video they dragged up anyway. Uh, let's move on <laughs> to another match in the FA Cup this weekend. Uh, Got to give a shout out to a friend of the pod, Tom Sharp, in this instance. Uh, you've given me one word, Ruben. Varsical. Yeah, I did put that on a running order. Cause Talk to me. Well, I was watching it, and when Mata scored, obviously Lukaku scored two good goals. That's not the talking point here. When Mata scored... I thought he looked onside. Commentator shouts, "He's onside!" and he's through, and he got and he, and he scores. And then I just I did have a inkling that they were going to bring it back. And if you, I mean the the wobbly lines that VAR used, shambles, right? That's useless. If you look at the actual line, then I think Matter's kneecap is offside. So if you go all the way down to the letter of the law, technically he's offside. But in this case, my instinct is to think, "Oh, come on, just." like you can't give that like just let him have the goal and also if a decision like that's going to be referred to VAR then it has to be in quote unquote 
that uh, yeah it took it God. took far too long Mata was just standing there I mean Mata even said after the game that he's still pro VAR even though he, he had a oh, that's just how I, I nice did, Juan Mata is I isn't did it? hear his quote yeah he said he thinks football needs it but I think we can all agree that whether football needs it or not this current incarnation just isn't working yeah it's current implementation is, is awful but I, I don't think I, I, like as a concept I don't think it's it's a bad thing I think eventually they might get it right but at the moment it's going very badly I fear they're going to bring it in ne- as early as next season in its current format yeah, and it will stay like that in its current form yeah. and I mean God. so you've got fans and players celebrating a goal mm. and then six minutes yeah. later it gets chalked I mean, off like, goals get just... disallowed very rarely but goals do get disallowed so like you have fans celebrate and then realise some, something's yeah, offside but, I mean, but that's like of really instantly seen the flag yeah they? yeah exactly and that's like instantly and that doesn't delay the joy or despair but that is the main problem with it is the fact that football's not a high scoring game so like in basketball I don't they don't even need it in basketball but in high scoring games it's not that much of an issue but when like one goal can change everything if you have to wait minutes to decide whether to celebrate or to find out whether you're allowed to celebrate or not then it's just well bad. I can give you some context from uh, my day to day life I work as a TV replay operator uh, quite a lot on ice hockey where they have a video assistant referee system now in that system it's down to the TV uh, replay operator i.e. me in this situation to get the replays together slow them down to the right speed and show the referee whether or not there's any doubt where they will then make the decision. So they just get like a highlights package that takes a minute max, ultra slow down, then they decide. The fans can see all of this happening as it's going on. It's obviously live on TV for the people who are watching. Takes no time at all. Why can we not implement a similar system to ice hockey or like you said, uh, some of the more American sports? I mean, not every ground has a screen. Just That's their fault for being tin pot. You could, it, I mean, obviously you want to have like the same rules throughout every level, but it's impossible. No, but it's like even at Anfield, they don't have a screen. Well, make them get one. Well, bear in mind, there's the, no space for The Football League Anfield. didn't even get goal line technology until this year, and I think it's just the championship. It's only the championship. Yeah. But, I mean, eventually, if every ground had a screen and everyone could watch what was happening and it was just done without this... That's just, just a direct. situation that won't happen, though. You're not going to get a situation where every Premier League club has a screen because... Just direct no a temporary space. one for the televised matches. Oh, it's just again you can't like where would they put one at Anfield for anyone that's been to Anfield there's just nowhere a screen could go back of the advertising hall and behind the goal very temporary one facing into the stands nah it wouldn't work because especially oh, you've got the cop on one side so where's it going there and then the Anfield road end at the back of the bottom tier it's already demolish the cop and make it a big screen <laughs> can you not just whack a big screen at the the, on the on the roof in the corner on the roof like Stamford like, Bridge style like on the stand opposite the cop can you not just whack a big screen up there like we've got a well, it's, it's like a two tier one and the bottom tier is the away section and the back of that is already restricted view mm. and then mm. obviously if you put it above that then true. you've got a whole team yeah. of fans that just can't see that is true so, so that's a problem but uh, yeah no, it's just it's just one of those things with, with VAR it's it's kind of a nice concept in theory mm. oh let's get every decision right I just don't. I don't see a way in football I how mean, it's going to be perfect for ref- everyone. Referees do get most decisions right anyway. The Appar- statistic that yeah. goes round. Oh, mm, sorry, I think it? I've just stolen your stat. No, God, I wasn't gonna. I didn't have a stat. It's the stat that I saw trotted out is that they currently get ninety six percent of decisions correct, and the point of VAR is to raise that to ninety eight percent. I just don't think that's worth it. I mean, in fairness, it's not like getting more throwing calls correct. It's getting the big ones right. But, but thing, things happen, yeah. you know. Do you I remember in the 2010 World Cup um, when Argentina played um, Nigeria or Mexico or something? Nigeria, and, I believe. Yeah, Tevez scored. I think it was Tevez. It was offside. Referee gave it as a goal. The go- The replay was played on the big screen at the, what's that stadium called? Soccer City. Um, is it Soccer City? Yeah, in yeah. Johannesburg. And everyone saw that it was offside and there was just like loads of booing, whistling and the referee saw it that he'd made a mistake, couldn't change his mind. So it's be- the, f- the fact is that at not every stadium has the same facilities which makes it very difficult to implement. That's the hard part. Yeah, I, d- I just don't see a way it's going to work and be fan-friendly for everyone. You know, just it happens. We've had decisions go against us this year and as... Uh, angry Liverpool fans will point out we've had decisions go for us this year 
it's just it's just what happens and you know I think investing in the referees is just got to be the way to go because there's a certain number of professional ones but it's only professional down to the championship mm. so you think the referees are coming through the system and then suddenly you've got the few that are full time I think just more full time referees and and there's just this whole culture of analysing everything referees do when they're you know they make mistakes and we just focus too much on referees in general. I, I think. agree, 100%. Like, and a little bit of a cult of personality around referees. Mark Clattenburg being a perfect yeah. example. Mike Dean. And Mike Dean, yeah. Yeah, Mike Dean as well. No. Although he was referee when Birmingham won the Cup. So. Like, who who would be a referee regardless? Like, at Sunday League, they get loads of abuse. They get abuse in the Premier League and they have the entire country analysing every single minor mistake that they make. So who'd want to do it? And Oh, it's just shambles, Football fans are quite tribal, and I think part of this obsession with referees is because, and you know, you could say some would say accuse me of it with mm. Delhi earlier, what I said about Delhi. But football fans are tribal, and football fans will always try and look for a way to absolve their players and their club of anything negative and any blame. So, being able to try and attach uh, blame to a referee is just a strand of that. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and a lot of people will say that referees are generally bad and they're uh, not are they? some are some are better than others but i think that's a really lazy analysis especially in the premier league you want to yeah. see you want to see the conference yeah yeah <laughs> oh i think God. yeah it's it's a wider problem than just var but yeah var's uh it was it was varsical on uh, uh, Unbelievable the Unbelievable pun. is there anything to actually pun. say about the game or is it just uh it just happened. Feel all right. it oh, happened um i saw I won't name and shame, but I saw one Twitter account tweet the lineups to this game, and um, the Huddersfield one. It was evident that they'd never, they had no idea who any player was, and they completely guessed. They had like Schindler up front and oh my God. Billing and Quaner at centre back. It was quite funny, but um, God, yeah, awful. I mean, I watched this on match of the day, and it looked like Huddersfield were all right. Yeah, they they didn't park the bus as like. Didn't they have a ludicrous amount of possession and yeah. about 25 shots? I saw United mm. only had five shots in the whole game. Yeah, well, that United played 4-3-3, ironically, without Pogba, which, you I know... Hate 4-3-3. I hate 4-3-3. It depends how you implement it. We're not having this conversation again. Um, but they, but this time, you know, United played McTominay, Carrick and Matic. That is a, that's a negative 4-3-3. You can have positive 4-3-3s like what City <coughs> played. But, um, yeah, it, United <coughs> were all right. Sanchez, Lukaku and Mata up front worked quite well. I think Bailly returned, he came on. Um but yeah, it was pretty it was pretty boring as you'd expect really. Maybe a positive enough performance for Huddersfield though to continue that momentum they've had. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think they Which all seem to start from a victory at St Andrews, I seem to remember. <laughs> Callum is smiling at me. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what happened there? Was that not uh, your dream tie on Saturday? Against Either way, I was working on Saturday, so I wouldn't have been able to make it, so that's okay. fine. I wasn't that upset we lost 4-1 to Huddersfield after extra time. Callum being a Birmingham fan, can't tell by his accent. What accent? <laughs> to be fair, yeah, it has got more subtle in the time I've known you, living down here. A little touch of, uh, of Birmingham there. Nice. Uh, yeah, we lost 4-1. Uh, one all at full time, we got to bring on a fourth sub in extra time. I like uh, that rule. I like that rule a lot. It's a good rule. Uh, seemingly caused our collapse, so uh, <laughs> it can do one, as far as <laughs> I can tell. So you can blame the the FA. Yeah, I won't blame Charlie Lakin who came on. It was his debut. I'll you know I'll give him his due. He's like ten or something. So <laughs> oh my word! I'll let him. Really scraping the barrel now. Yeah. Bringing on ten year old. Hey, we're in the quarterfinals of the FA Youth Cup though, so huh? it's clearly working. But that's that's a story for a different time because elsewhere in the FA Cup, uh, West Brom, they of taxi fame. Uh, at home to Southampton <laughs> where they lost 2-1 uh, it's not been the best week for Alan Pardew has it also had his phone nicked the night before yeah I mean it never rains but it pours the, the worst week ever uh, like if you're going to have a midweek training camp in a you know warmer climate you want it to go the complete opposite way that that did I mean it's just classic Pards apparently he took the captaincy off Johnny Evans to make a statement as well he did the exact same thing at Palace because Pards has an ego bigger than you know, Kanye. It's almost West like you're is. speaking from experience here, yeah, Ruben. I mean, I, I, people will. It doesn't take a genius to work out that I'm not Pardew's biggest fan. Um, I, it would be incredible if he took them down, or 
Or I think he might get sacked before wow. he does take them down. I've heard some whispers from uh, the West Midlands, yeah. uh, my neck of the woods. The rumour going around the greater Birmingham area at the moment is that uh, Alan Pardew may be relieved and replaced by one Harry Redknapp. God. That that would be a low point for Pardew, but I'd rather he stayed and took him down. He deserves a relegation on his CV because he's just frauding his way through never being relegated. No, he has been relegated, hasn't he? It's, yeah, with... um. Charlton yes yeah yeah, yeah. he yeah. took them down but not in ages like he would have taken us down if we didn't sack him he should stay there and go down it's their year isn't it West Brom it it's going to be a great year for Birmingham uh, as a city next year if Aston Villa failed to get promoted as well have you heard the story about why they were actually in Barcelona last week go on well they, they were planning on a warm weather training uh, week somewhere and uh, they were so sure, apparently, when organising this, that they'd lose to Liverpool in the FA Cup, that they were supposed to go for the full week after their game uh, at Stamford Bridge last week. But suddenly, they have this game at the weekend <laughs> to play against Southampton. So they had to cut it short. They couldn't have waited until after that. What a terrible attitude that is. Oh, we'll lose to them. Let's just book this So weekend. yeah, they had to kind of rush Love it, it to all come back on Friday. So they had a Monday night game. So they fl- flew out on Tuesday and had to fly back on Friday and had Taxi Gate, what, on the Thursday night? Yeah. Uh, the taxi story is absolutely mental, right? I Gareth Barry, of all people. I can't, He's like the most professional Such footballer ever. Boas yeah. Myhill. What's Boas Myhill doing <laughs> stealing a taxi? What's he doing in Allegedly. Being, being a Premier League footballer? But yeah, Incredible I'm, goalkeeper. I love him. <laughs> um, I think uh, Adam Hurry at Football Clichés tweeted... Um, this is how I imagine Gareth Barry stealing a taxi and it's that clip-in peep show of Mark Corrigan <laughs> driving Johnson's BMW uh, it was uh, I can't imagine it actually happening like Johnny Evans Jake Livermore Gareth Barry and Burrs Myhill and they what did they stole a taxi from a fast food restaurant and then returned it to its rightful owner the next day no they left it outside their five star hotel oh my god almost like a know. calling card to show that they'd been there I suppose yeah I mean, it's an interesting story so we, obviously we don't know the full detail so we can't really comment yeah. too in depth on that what's is going on from what I have read this is all, these are all allegations as far as I know at the moment but uh, it was reported in also, the Spanish press that happened Barcelona is not that hot at the moment it's only February I think one of these things that it's like it's uh, just team building yeah, like, it's just yeah. a change of scenery the last <coughs> three seasons they've done that at Spurs <coughs> sorry to bring Tottenham up but mm. uh so I think it's a fairly normal thing to do mid-season, but you've got to have that professionalism. And obviously, with all the speculation there, did they not have uh, people behind the scenes, like the chief ex- chief executive getting sacked last yeah, week? Yeah, the, the chairman and the CEO were sacked. That, that undermines Alan Pardew. So if these senior players think, well, you know, the yeah. manager's a dead man walking anyway, then... Alan Pardew doesn't like being undermined. He likes to consider himself the king. You can do what you want when you're the king. King Pardew of where's he from like Bromley Wimbledon Wimbledon close enough Um, Rondon scored a bit of a bouncer didn't he it was genuinely beautiful it was like do you remember Dzeko's goal against Chelsea in the Champions League earlier this season or Van Persie against uh, you know many teams for Arsenal and United it was uh, it was one of those and it's just a shame for them that it didn't really mean anything but I mean if keeper was slightly better positioned it might have been safe but great goal nonetheless I Absolutely feel like that was worth sweet as a nut. Bringing up, I think, is a way to describe it. A bit it. of quality that uh, goes against what these two teams stand for <laughs> fundamentally, because these two are bad, and I think both of them could well go down. They're both in the relegation zone. Yeah, they? I mean, it would be weird if Southampton were going to go down, but I'll give you a credit here. You predicted that in the next few years they would eventually struggle to replace all of these players, Thank and it's happening. Yeah. Was that? Well, King? I knew you'd bring it up. So. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I just I don't like to. But it's a fair. It's a fair. You know that system can only work for a limited amount of time eventually you're going to stop finding gems and it's quite interesting not that they've got a bad squad but it's like they don't really have any decent centre backs anymore the fact that um, this year we could be losing from the Premier League three of the kind of established mid-table because I think currently in the relegation zone it's West Brom Southampton and Stoke Yeah. so that would kind of shake up the mid-table if those three were to go you know, it's like on Big Brother when they do like a treble eviction or something. <laughs> you know, it's like, sorry, people, you've been too boring. Your time's Off you go. up. Yeah. Fair yeah. to say, though, they are all, in my opinion, championship clubs. Yeah, none of them are actually Fair particularly level. big clubs. But uh, that's kind of been the way in the last decade or so in the Premier League. You've seen 
quite a few well-run smaller clubs go up and do all right. And now you look at the championship, you've got clubs like Villa, Leeds, the Sheffields. Um, I can't think of any another Sheffield. team in the Midlands. I believe <laughs> you might be missing there. Um, what the ones with all the empty seats? At Wolves. The stadium? Wolves. Wolves. <laughs> ah, you're quite right. <laughs> I I think we are going to go down. But I've said that for the past couple of years and we haven't. But Alice always find a way. We always find a way, but this time I don't know how we're going to find that way. Um, I think if we don't go down, it'll be because Southampton and Stoke just don't get better. Well, speaking of Southampton not getting better, they got a bit of a problem up front. They do. I mean, Gabbiadini was good for a while. Long serves a purpose, but can't really score any goals. Char- we're, we're not allowed to talk about Shane on this <laughs> podcast anymore. Charlie Austin... Um, <laughs> is decent but always injured so they've just signed uh, Carrillo from Monaco, Monaco and it just looks like Shane Long but I, ha- I don't think I've seen him touch the ball yet don't he's, insult him like that <laughs> he's, just, he's just sort of wandering around I mean you know he might be decent but I haven't seen that I would say it's probably quite a difficult team to go in as mm. a reasonably young striker and hit the ground running because I don't think it's a coincidence I mean Charlie Austin aside but I don't think it's a coincidence that none of their strikers score goals I think that's yeah. probably just the way they're set up. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, Gabbiadini used to... I mean, he's been around Italy for a while. Napoli got rid of him because he didn't really suit the way they wanted to play. But he scored goals elsewhere. It's not that they've got bad strikes. He started strikes. well at Southampton. I yeah. Mean, you know, I mean, Shane has always been your kind of seven or eight goal a season striker. But this season, he's going to finish on one. A but, gift from Crystal Palace. Yeah, it was against us. We, we do that all the time, though. Like, honestly, if you've got a record, like a curse that you need to break, get yourselves down to sell us. Could do with a visit to Southampton pretty soon. Um, Shane Long's a bit past it though, isn't he? I mean, I know you said you banned from talking about him, but I, I, I'm not I remember him banging them in for Reading about ten years ago. How old is he? Like thirty-one. He's got to be up there. I think yeah. he's older than that. Probably baby face. He did. Uh, he did score against Manuel Neuer though. So he's always got that. Haven't we CV. all scored against Manuel Neuer? I remember Ikechianya yeah. scoring against Manuel Neuer and then tweeted about it and said he can't even do it on the PlayStation. <laughs> That's charming, isn't it? That is. That is. Um, yeah, so that's that's West Brom. Shane Long is thirty-one. Yeah, hang on. Yeah, wow. right. So exactly, he's not going to get any better. He's not going to get any quicker. I think he needs a move. Probably. To, I mean, we. I. I saw Shane Long to Palace on loan would have been a very Palace signing, but we got uh, Sawloth instead. He's got to be due his Championship move at some point, hasn't he? Yeah. He's dropped down the divisions. Birmingham City, perhaps. Oh, I'd love him at Birmingham City. <laughs> really Shane Long about. and Lukas Jukovic up front. Oh. oh, he can just play for Southampton in Championship next season. There is that. <laughs> there is that. Um, let's move on then to the Carvial Derby. Swansea City, Sheffield Wednesday. I like Carlos Carvial. I think he's quite funny. Well, Etienne's not a fan of his accent. I've heard. No, it's not so much his accent. He just comes out with a lot of strange things, doesn't he? He, I mean, he did well at Sheffield Wednesday for a while, but this season it had gone stale, hadn't it? And you could see their fans were sick of it. When you've got that kind of you're a manager that comes out with these strange comments all the time. Do you imagine when you're Steve Cottrell? Yeah, when you're winning games, it's all well and good. Yeah. But when you stop winning games, you can see it grating on you. I the, mean, remember the, the, the twenty pound note thing in the press conference yeah. where he punched it and said, "Look, it's still twenty pounds." That was a weird analogy, but it's like north of the border. Um, Pedro Cachinha Rangers. Yeah. His results weren't good, but what? were the final nails in his coffin was how farcical it was mm. like the pictures of him stood in a hedge in Luxembourg arguing with Rangers fans the, you know I think before their league, Betfred Cup semi-final against Motherwell Kaishinha came out with uh, we have two options today win or win and obviously obviously, <laughs> obviously they lost yeah. so you know that's that's one of the things with Carvajal but I don't know why I'm criticising him because he's doing brilliantly with Swansea. He really is. Like The way they've improved since he came in is incredible. I can't believe it. I had him down as nailed on yeah. bottom of the league when he took that job. Yeah. I I think it, it might be um, his coat. You know, the fur coat, the yeah. fur collar that he wears. He, oh, he just looks like such a it's boss. It's more suited to the Premier League. That's what's it given is, him yeah. that kind of... Big time that Charlie. je ne sais quoi to... Big yeah. time Carlos. <laughs> Big time Carlos. You see he was handing out uh, Portuguese pastries to the journalists yes. on one of his presses. Yeah. See, I used to cover Lee Clark's press conferences and the most I ever got was a little dip into his box of heroes. Oh, nice. Oh, I got what? a cream nice. egg twisted, if you're interested. Nice. Uh, I'm not a fan. Oh, they're the best ones. No, no. Lee, if you're listening, thank you very much. I'm a fudge man. I bet you are. <laughs> <laughs> Ruben, what's your, what's your tip-off from a box of heroes? <sighs> I don't know. What do they still have in the box? Not Fudges. Eclairs. Obviously. Yeah, no, the eclairs are decent. I never Wrong. get heroes. I always get celebrations. 
Wow. That's a that's a whole new box. <laughs> well, other boxes of chocolates are available, of course. Um, Etienne, carry on with your point. Sorry to interrupt. Um, well, I was just going to say, I think with Carvalho, it's going really well, and it looks like they're almost certainly going to step. You know, getting victories over Arsenal and Liverpool, you know, brilliant. But is he going to be there in a year? The way Swansea are and the way they're run depends on their summer, doesn't it? Because because remember Clement this time a year ago yeah he started really well and then had a dip and then had another peak and then Monk yeah. as well I, yeah. I don't know They're but quite fair, fair play to him and Carval Yao if you look at his record as a manager until he went to Wednesday I'm not sure he'd been anywhere over a year so mm. he's been he's been around he's been around the block Portuguese firefighter or not necessarily not with Wednesday but he could become that maybe he'll that maybe he'll become a firefighter in the Premier League like a more like a more modern progressive a sexier Tony, Tony Pulis. Pulis yeah, yeah. It's Tony not, it's Pulis not hard, with a nice coat get him yeah. a fur lined cap and that yeah. will go with his coat then again your, your coat today Callum was a bit Tony Pulis it was a bit Tony Pulis <laughs> I do look like I've uh, raided shop. the club shop uh, what can I say I like a branded coat it was that or England rugby for context by the way I turned up in a Birmingham City huge bench jacket down to his knees it's pretty much down to my keep me warm on a nice winter's day though if I was the manager yeah fair, fair, yeah. Play, fair play the game was nil-nil by the way that's um, why we're talking about that's why we're talking about coats but Carvalho made a police academy analogy with Go on. he said about FA Cup replays that it's like watching police academy you watch the first one then you watch the second one and then you watch the third one I think he was implying that you don't want to but you have to so it should have won the game if Better not an analogy yeah. exactly but I mean that's yeah. that's the thing isn't it it's like replays I, I, I like replays in FA Cup you look at Rochdale yesterday the replay is massive for them oh yeah so, absolutely you know, not it's just, quite the same in this context but yeah but I think you know you have to take these kind of replays yeah. for the other kind and you know, I think just suck it up you should have won the first game yeah well, uh, we'll move on then to the greatest league organisation in the world, the English Football League, the EFL, and we start, of course, in the Championship. Uh, Leeds 2, Bristol City 2. saw a tweet uh, before the match yesterday from a Bristol City fan that said, welcome to the start of the end of Bristol City season. Uh, they tend to collapse at this time of year, every year, and collapse they did, Etienne. Two dramatic collapses in a row, isn't it? Obviously, the one against Sunderland last week, but this time, what was it? 2 0 up. 2, two, nil, nil. two Hec- nil up with 20 minutes to go. Heckingbottom's first home game in charge against the Leeds team that, I mean, you know, they've not been doing well of late. Well, they're awful. Exactly. And, yeah, they, well, I mean, Sunderland as well last week. It do- doesn't take a good team to uh, cause a Bristol City meltdown at the moment. So. Not sure there's a name for this, like Bristambul, but it's Bristambul. another. It's another really poor result. Bristol City have got some great players. I mean, players who are in top form at the moment. Aidan Flint uh, should be playing for Birmingham City. Bobby Reid, Corey Smith, all very, very good players. But I don't know what it is. Every time they get to February, March in a season, shambolic. They've got a nice Icelandic long throw as well. They do. Like. I love a long throw. Is it? Is their dip in form? just what they do or is it to do with the cup run as well Derby-esque every year to be honest I think they've been punching above their weight this season anyway though so I don't think this is necessarily that surprising they've been doing better you know if you look at their squad compared to some of the other squads in championship like Fulham's for example you know you wouldn't especially at the start of the Mm. season they wouldn't have even compared but you know, it's like Bobby Reid this season so suddenly becoming a superstar forward. Like it's just, but I think the they, they are still sixth though. They are. The fact they managed to hold on to Joe Bryan and Aidan Flint has helped them out massively mm. this season. Um, they could be in with a shot for the playoffs, but I just can't see it happening. Them and Derby are both going to plummet. If Not they, very if they, far. if they get there, then that's like a big mental. We finally got there. Then they can. It sort of halts the momentum of sliding. And because then they can you know the it. performances are in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like when we got to the playoffs, we went on, we sort of slid down and then survived in sixth and then re like gained momentum for the semi. So I, maybe if they get there, then they'll go up, but they look like they might not make it. You know, what's, you know what's mad though? Sorry to interrupt. It's all right. Leeds are still only eight points off the playoffs. Like how, how is that the case? You know, if Heckingbottom was to go in and do well, 
it's still there for them. We're not that far from the playoffs in the grand scheme of things. I mean, it's stop it's, dreaming, mate. It's Come a tall on. mountain to climb, but I mean, I mean, it's the it's a tight league. It's the beauty of the EFL. We'll talk about Plymouth Argyle in a bit, but that's just that's just what can happen. Your season can transform. It's all about me- momentum in a forty-six game season. Well, elsewhere in the championship, uh, yesterday we had the Old Farm Derby at Carrow Road, I believe. Was it at Carrow Road? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's my knowledge on uh, the East Anglian Derby there. Uh, late equaliser from Norwich City. Yeah, and Mick McCarthy won't have liked that. He didn't seem to enjoy the what we thought was a late winner for Ipswich as well. In the 89th minute when they scored, he burst off the bench in, uh, you know, in the scenes and seemed to make a get-it-up-year sort of gesture to the to his own fans because he was looking at I know where the away fans sit at Carrow Road straight it was like, opposite of the away yeah, yeah. and and just uh, said F off well I read in the don't paper this morning that it was just passion yeah that's but, what makes uh, well, it yeah but, like, but I mean I don't think this is any surprise though this is really a marriage of minor convenience if that it's just funny isn't it I like the, the, I the way you know Mick McCarthy and, and Ipswich they don't want each other but they kind of need each other you yeah know? because this is a club, Ipswich. I think they're the longest-serving club in the championship. 16 years. There you go. Wow. Mick, Mick McCarthy hasn't had a good relationship with the Ipswich fans at any point because of the style of football. But then you look at it, Ipswich's budget, they're not they are not trying to get promoted. For them, I think, just another season in the championship is what they expect. But it's all they can really hope for as well. McCarthy did get them into the playoffs through this agricultural football. But you can understand Mick McCarthy... You know, yeah. getting it up the fans because yeah. they all hate him. They all hate <laughs> they him. How, how, and he despises them. How bad so. is the football, though? It's Mick McCarthy. So it's, yeah. it's very basic. You know, Joe Garner and Martin Waghorn up front, two players that were utterly dreadful north of the border for Rangers last yep. season. But that's all they can afford. Is it like bypass the midfield? Yeah. Right. Hoof yeah. is the word you're looking for, I but, believe. Yeah. You know, you can understand fans getting bored and tired of oh, that. Oh, absolutely. But then I don't see what else they can really expect. Yeah, because if, if you take more of a risk with your appointment, then it, you can go down. And it, that's like getting relegated from the Premier League to the Championship is not the end of the world. Getting relegated from the Championship League one a bit more severe because I, I don't know stuff I mean, can spiral. But I don't know. I think you can come back. Like yeah, you look, of at, look at Wolves how they've bounced back. They had Bakary Sacco ripping up League One. There you go, um, Bristol City. Yeah, it can be done. But Southampton. Southampton. Slightly longer term. You can you can bounce back. So maybe Ipswich fans, a bit like West Brom fans actually. Yeah. I just like get this man out. If we go down, we go down. But we don't want this football. We haven't even touched on what happened at the end of this game. It was mental because Ipswich go 1-0 up in the 89th minute. They haven't won an Old Farm derby in 10 years. And then Grant Hanley <laughs> assists the goal right at the end. Is it Madison? Yeah. yeah. Marcus Madison. No, no James, James Madison, sorry. It was Tim mm-hmm. Closer. Oh, was, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. James Madison two, got man of the match. They'd then, yeah. thrown the two centre-backs up and, um, and Grant Hanley got on the end of it. Bialkowski came out and it just went across the goal for Tim Closer. Grant Hanley, by the way, turning straight around to the away end and standing in front of them, arms outstretched, while all the celebrations are going on. Iconic. uh, Inspired by Scott Brown. Very much so. He's learnt from the man when it comes to running up opposition supporters. from the best. Um, Elsewhere in the FL, the latest attempt to buy the championship uh, (laughs) up in Wolverhampton. Uh, Wolves dropping points this weekend. Drew, drew 1-1 with Preston. They They've did. stuttered slightly. Um, and they were quite lucky to even draw this weekend because obviously Preston were 1-0 up and then it kind of hinged on a pretty contentious red card where the second yellow, it didn't seem there was... Obviously, you don't have all the angles that you have in the Premier League, but it didn't appear there was any contact whatsoever. So, quite fortunate in a way. This was with about... 30 35 minutes to go so obviously Wolves then pile the pressure on and get that equaliser but Preston can count themselves unfortunate and they went on a poor run earlier in the season having started well but they're still in with a shout of that sixth playoff spot because with everyone now fit I mean you talk about working on a budget Alex Neal's doing a brilliant job there he's, he's living his good life in Preston and let's drop down a division to League One you don't, you don't want to talk about the Villa losing. I'm quite surprised. I'll, I'll touch briefly on the Villa in a moment, but let's talk about League One because, as you've informed me, the Greens are going up, despite being looking like at Christmas time they're right in the mire. 
Oh, you know, they were bottom of the league in December, but this team, the momentum, is EFL, it's about momentum. And it's now one point off the playoffs. This this is happening. This It, it just is. Like, they beat Oldham away this weekend. Oxford. Oxford, that's Oxford, one. and it was back to the old school of what got them out of League 2 last year. Stroke of half-time, Graham Carey corner, Sonny Bradley header. I love that combination. It's the best. Um, yeah, so, you know, and they know how to grind out a 1-0 win. Derek Adams' away record is unbelievable, by the way. He's been in charge of 63 away matches in charge of Plymouth Argyle and won 31 of them. How did he describe himself to a, to a fellow manager? Was it the greatest manager in the football league? Uh, it, yeah, it was at Mansfield away last season. Steve, Steve, Evans, Steve yeah. Evans had just had the mother of all rants and uh, Derek Adams then described himself in the tunnel as the best football manager in the league. And the most modest. Yeah. So there you go. I, I mean, Derek, I, I've got to say, I, I, I thought he should have got the sack. I, I'm happy to have been proved wrong. This happens in the Football League, though, doesn't it? Like with uh, Johnson at, City, at Bristol City and stuff. I mean, sometimes it's obvious when a manager needs a sack, but sometimes it's just... Well, talking of Lee hard. Johnson, when Lee Johnson left Doncaster... No, Doncaster, sorry, um, Barnsley... About a month later, end of November, quite similar to Plymouth Argyle, they were bottom of the league. Hecking bottom, who obviously has just gone to Leeds, took over. They went on this unbelievable run, uh, nicked into the playoffs, uh, won them, and also won the uh, last ever edition of the JPT. Oh, rest in peace, the rest JPT. Rest in peace, the Two-time champions. <laughs> Proud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, that... That can happen. I yeah. think it's an amazing story. And also with um, what's happened with Ryan Edwards as well. You know, they've got um, Ryan Edwards, the centre-back, with testicular cancer. Uh, it's probably brought the group together. They've got a real goal now. With uh, You know, the hashtags go around, with you, Eddie. And, you know, it, it, it's incredible. It's special the way they've put this run together, even with Edwards. Because mm -hmm. Edwards was playing with testicular cancer. And actually, the week... Uh, the weekend before they announced it he scored the equaliser up at Doncaster so it's a pretty what incredible a story that is incredible hopefully he recovers very soon yeah uh, you know it'll be a special day when he pulls that green jersey back on and hopefully uh, it'll be in the championship so. right you've had a long weekend up north Etienne I you're have. at a local derby before the uh, the big Rochdale game I was, yeah, on the Saturday. I was at um, Broadhurst Park, FC United of Manchester versus Stockport. How was it? It was good. It was it was a really good um, experience as a as a football fan. Just you know, it was it was really different to anything I've experienced in uh, non league. What, what tier is that? Like six. Six. Okay. So this is the league that Salford are top of. Is it national? Yeah. Vanarama National North. Yeah. Right. Vanarama, my first ever Vanarama National North match. So it's an wow. exciting one to cross off. No, it's cool. Like you can see the way that obviously FC United completely run by fans. It all starts with from the city centre, free free bus to the ground, absolutely packed full of fans so you don't have to pay they make it easy to get there and then you know as you get this bus into Newton Heath you know you don't <laughs> you don't see the yellow and green scarves which I was expecting actually yeah. but it's essentially like stepping into a small Old Trafford <laughs> it's all just all United they, they yeah. sing you know UNITED yeah. United it's the team for me whatever they sing hello hello we are the Busby boys but the ground itself was amazing because you know the elevated terracing I love it I love it and then this kind of other stand going round the side where it was standing at the bottom, then seats, and then this like little terrace at the top where you could just sort of lean over with your pint and watch the game. That's quite cool. And then, and then them. the other two sides were just your classic, just lean on the bar round the pitch, but with a little cover above yeah, your yeah. head, uh, obviously with the away fans on the side. And 3,084 people at a tier six match. That's pretty good. Pretty good. It was a uh, tenner for an adult, six pound for a student. It's it a really, it's a really good alternative for uh, like United fans that can't go to United games. Yeah, well, yeah. that's that's the thing, isn't it? Anti Glazer running it properly, and yeah, I I loved it. I mean, they lost one nil. Mm. It was a bit of a derby. They were playing Stockport, who you know were in the league. But I, I I think there's a story there in terms of the fact that they're in the same division as Salford, because. Salford, because all these guys mm. were massive United before the Glazers, so Salford is essentially half owned by their 90s heroes. Yeah. Class of 92.
But then Salford, I think, pers- I th- for me, FC United are everything non-league should be. Cheap, easy, that kind of community value that you've lost um, higher up the leagues. Whereas Salford, I think, they're kind of just buying it. Bit of a toy for the class of 92. I mean, ca- it's not just the class of 92, it's Peter Lim as yeah, well, isn't it? Yeah, when, when you watch the... Um, when you watch the documentary about uh, the cl- Salford City and the Class of 92, Gary Neville does most of it because he's like just the most driven one, and he seems to, he's got great intentions. I, th- I think, but I think so. But I think that's the comparison with Billericay. Yeah, with it's uh, just obviously the Tantan. class of, the Class of 92 are much more likable characters, but the guy, but it's more or less the same but thing. Essentially, they're doing the same thing. They're bankrolling or attempting to bankroll their local non-league team. Yeah into the football league whereas I think at non-league I think the values of supporters are different I don't think it's all about that Yeah. I think it's more about keeping it cheap they're not des- that- they're not desperate to climb the divisions into like the championship Premier League because they just you know that's not really a conceivable goal for a lot of them so they just they just want a good match to experience speaking of which did you sample uh, the local food at the ground we did yeah um, I had a cheese and onion pie yeah, how was it? That's what I do. Yeah, it was all right. I think two quid. It's all right. Not bad. Not bad. Right. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was pretty reasonable price wise. Can you uh, can you drink beer in the stands? Yes, T- you can it. drink Love beer it. in the how stands. How much for a pint? Oh, two pounds something. That is. Decent. Well, that's not London, is it? No, <laughs> that's not, not London. And uh, especially at a football ground. And uh, it, it was inside this uh, elevated terrace stand, and it's like just a, a kind of cool bar inside yeah. it's got all the scarves and you know all those sort of you know the sort of benches you'd usually get outside a uh, a pub yeah 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 you know, just loads of them sat there it was it was great it. it was a great vibe I'd, I'd nice. recommend it for anyone up north, up to, north. Uh, up to north. go and sample it nice yeah. right let's take a trip then into Europe <coughs> uh, let's do that who's going to be giving me my European roundup it's not me Yo, Ruben señor. come on right uh, so in, in Spanish sp- in España esta no, semana. <laughs> in, <laughs> in Spain this week, um, Real Madrid beat Real Betis away five three in an incredible game. It was end to end. It was really fast paced. Um, Real Madrid rested a few players. Uh, Betis, Betis have this weird thing. They love a, a high scoring loss. They always like. Do you remember when they lost six three to Valencia? Do they not do this with Seville recently as well? Look at him smirking. Seville. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. They did, yeah. And the big Seville derby. Well, you can call it that. The city's called Seville. The club's called Sevilla. Anyway, <laughs> Betis, um, yeah, they were pretty good. They took the lead, and Ramos came in, as he always does, with a header to, to equalise. And then Real Madrid, you know, it's all right when you can bring on Benzema and Isco from the bench. They started with this like four four two with Ronaldo and Bale up front, and Ronaldo scored and was also really good in like in build up play, which you don't really see often from him, especially like in that PSG game. He hardly touched the ball if he wasn't shooting. But yeah, Real Madrid were really good. Asensio's goal was my favourite because Danny Carvajal makes his dribble down the right, and it looks like he's going to lose the ball three times. Crosses it, lovely finish from Asensio, opens his body up, and it just goes into the far corner. Was it was it strange seeing Real Madrid without Modric and Kroos? Yeah, a little bit. They had Casemiro and Kovacic in central midfield with Vazquez on the right and then like Asensio sort of kind of on the left but kind of as a 10 and then Ronaldo sort of in the same area and Bale as like the right-sided striker. It was a bit strange though. Cause Does that formation not kind of shackle Marcelo a bit? Well, Asensio and Ronaldo are both playing kind... Like Asensio's more coming in from the left and Ronaldo's staying quite central so Marcelo was still able to get forward I can imagine a yeah. lot of work for Casemiro though yeah yeah no, I, I just meant in terms of no real winger to cover him in front oh and right I thought you meant to well. crowd out the area no yeah maybe kind why of. they conceded three goals yeah well Real Madrid are they, they they do concede quite a lot of goals this season but they still obviously score loads Um, yeah because when you watch Real Madrid it's just I'm so used to the way Modric and Kroos just like control the game because especially as they've got such unique styles when they run and pass and you can just like you could watch it in black and white and you'd know who they were like um, but yeah it was a bit strange without them I'm not sure why Modric didn't play but they're just giving him a rest or, or I'm not sure why they rested both of them when the the next PS actually they've got a game midweek 
It's their game in hand against Leganes. So if they win that, they go third, uh, jumping above Valencia. The heady heights. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of Valencia, they beat Malaga 2-1. Malaga, rock bottom. They went behind Valencia, so Malaga took the lead. And then big Franny C. Oh, wow. Francis Coquelin with the equaliser, bullet header from a corner. Arsenal fans, yes, that did happen. Look it up. And then Parejo, whose name I feel like should be spelt Danny Parejo and then in brackets, Pen. Because he just scores penalties every other week. It's great. Um, he stepped up in the in the final moments to get Valencia that win. So um, this feels like quite a big comeback against the bottom team. Because had they not lost, just lost six games in a row? Yeah. What was their result last weekend? I should know this. I, I can't no idea, remember. Mate. You're the Valencia yeah. fan. <laughs> um, but I, I, I could have sworn they were on a bit of a terrible run. So to get a big comeback victory, it's, it's good. Uh, elsewhere then anyway. in Italy what happened there uh, one more in Spain Barcelona, Barcelona beat Abar 2-0 Messi got an incredible assist for Suarez's goal um, go look it up yeah in Italy so Juventus we'll start off with the big news Juventus won the Turin derby Walter Mazzari's first defeat as Torino manager incredibly uh, but they lost two players to injury Etienne is celebrating he's fist pumping Gonzalo Higuain I wouldn't want to wish pain on anyone and uh, Federico Bernadeschi who Bernadeschi was Higuain's replacement Higuain tumbled over a goalkeeper injured his ankle came off quite early Bernadeschi came on and was sort of clattered by Sirigu late on in the game and looked to hurt his knee he came off so obviously don't know how long they'll be out for but um, I mean you don't want to wish injury on players but it's a bit of a boost for Spurs although Dybala's now back so yeah. quite um, Inter lost 2-0 to Genoa which was quite funny Ranocchi scored an own goal didn't he do that against Palace last year no he made a mistake that put Wilf through one on one yeah, yeah. Um, Ranocchi was at Hull and now he's back at Inter that's incredible that's isn't weird, it weird isn't it um, I mean it wasn't really his fault the ball was just whacked against him but it was quite funny uh, Inter lost Inter are doing this weird thing where they started r- really well they were like pushing Napoli and Juve and now they're just falling away they um, the the other goal was scored by Goran Pandev, also uh, former Inter, and Genoa of also have Palacio. So it was like Inter's old boys just haunting them. And did you know that Genoa share a stadium with Sampdoria? I didn't. No. I do now. It, it's really nice. Um, it's like four sides with big wooden blocks in each corner, surrounded by mountains. It's it's quite lovely. Speaking of Sampdoria, more picturesque than Rochdale was. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Speaking of Sampdoria, they lost to Milan at the San Siro. So Gennaro Gattuso's, um, you know, resurgence with Milan continues. Like Ten unbeaten now. Yeah, it's insane. They, he's just brought them back to not like not basics, basics, but he stopped playing players out of position. He plays passion. four three three. Yeah, you know, passion and a sensible formation. Suso on the right wing is doing incredible things, and. They've stopped playing Andre Silva, who they signed for like 38 million euros in the summer from Porto. They play uh, Cutrone up front, um, and he's just like, just like a young. It's a bit like when United played Rashford because they had no one else. They just play him, and he's doing really well. Um, Benevento, that banter team, they beat Crotone, not to be confused with Cutrone, three uh, two. Or croutons. Or croutons, oh, yeah. Croutons. Yeah, me too. Oh um, they beat Crotone 3-2 and they now have 10 points Benevento which at the start of the season seemed impossible was it not Crotone that did this sort of comeback last season, last season? yeah they, this is Crotone's second season in Serie A were they so, not yeah. in virtually the same position as Benevento last year and survived so it's almost like they've beaten a kind of inspiration yeah it's incredible really nice. um, I've just checked by the way Valencia beat Levante 3-1 last weekend but before that it was like 6 losses in a row yeah Ah, facts. So, um, but incredibly, they're still third. Details. But they're going to go fourth in uh, on Wednesday. Nice. Jumping back into Europe, that's basically Italy done. Napoli won again, uh, so still, still first. Juve are breathing down their necks. But if Napoli can keep winning, fingers crossed. Juventus will win that title. I'm so sure of it. I, I really hope not, but the pessimist in me thinks so. Um, PSG went a goal down to Strasbourg who beat them in the uh, first fixture between these teams this season but won 5-2 um, and the French sides had Chinese lettering on the back of their shirts to celebrate uh, Chinese New Year 
which How was nice. nice of them. Yeah, very nice. Um, Monaco and Marseille are only separated by one point in second and third. So it's a race for second, which is ultimately a little bit pointless, but it's quite it's tight. Like the Premier League. Yeah, basically. Um, Lyon are six points behind in third on th- on forty nine, and PSG play Marseille next weekend. So assuming PSG win that, le then classique. that's le classique. Oui, that's Lyon's chance to catch Very up good a French. bit. Oh, merci. It's um, very bien. <laughs> Um, that's Lyon's chance to catch up a bit or I mean Marseille almost beat PSG at the start of Elendjob earlier this season so could be a chance for Marseille to extend their lead uh, in Germany Marco Royce is back yay. yay he's back after nine months out he scored a vintage Royce goal from the right side in vintage Royce it, it was genu- genuinely genuinely brilliant uh, against his old club Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, and yeah I think Dortmund won that I think I should. Uh, Bayern, Bayern went one nil down, but won thanks to a very late Lewandowski penalty. And Bayer Leverkusen are in third on thirty-eight points. Now this, I was looking at the league table and this just surprised me. Yeah, th- third on thirty-eight, it's quite low. That's bizarre. Although yeah. they had their winter break, didn't they? So yeah. They probably not play this many games. Indeed, but it just struck me as a bit, a bit, man- a bit it's mental. It's a bit of a top-heavy league yeah. in terms of. Speaking of Bayer Leverkusen, oh, Premier League's the same. Yeah, it except is. just with more good teams. Yeah, pretty much. Um, speaking of Bayer Leverkusen, Leon Bailey, their young twenty-year-old oh, yeah, winger, uh, from born in Jamaica, parents both Jamaican, lived in Germany, Belgium, and Austria, uh, is eligible to play for England if he so wishes. They found the like sort of mysterious English relative through his grandparents. Wow. So. I mean, fingers crossed. If if you've seen Bailey play, you'll know that he's a talent. He's left-footed winger, scores a lot of goals, and that is something that we lack in the England squad. So I'd, I'd welcome him on board. Get him on the plane, Gareth. That's my European roundup. Thank you. That's all right. Right. Before we uh, do a European roundup, do you want to touch on Chelsea Barcelona? We've done the European. Uh, sorry, roundup, before right? we uh, <laughs> say goodbye to our European roundup, do you want to touch on Chelsea Barcelona? Uh, go on then, briefly. Um, I don't. I can't really choose who I think is going to win here because Barcelona are in better form. They haven't lost a league game all season, but I don't know. Angry Ed's off to this game. Oh, I bet he's going to love it. Well, he hates. I Barcelona. bet he's well up for it. Yeah. I he's he's very pessimistic though. I think if Chelsea want to go through, they have to keep a clean sheet. Yeah. I know it's not rocket science. I'm not yeah, rewriting yeah, yeah. the offside rule or whatever, but no, like. They have to win and keep a clean sheet. I think when they beat them in 2012, they beat them 1-0 at the at Stamford Bridge. Drogba, yeah. And that just gives you that platform to go to the Camp Nou. Yeah. Um, I saw some... I think Bakayoko's going to miss this game. Conte said he wasn't ready, whether that means he's injured or just not like you know mentally up for it. I don't know. But you'd, un- you'd understand if it was a latter because he gets some stick. Like He hasn't played well this season, but I saw Chelsea fans celebrating the fact that he was out on, on Twitter. may well have been angry at I mean, he has looked pretty woeful. Of he late. has. So, so you, you don't want him to play in the in the massive games, but I, he must be good at something. Like he he, he see, was. See, I again to bring Ed into it. Yeah. I said that to him the other day. I said, but he must be good at something, and he's at a loss. Okay, fair enough. He hasn't been good at anything this season, but last season he was. So well, against we'll City see. in the Champions League, like yeah, exactly. It seems like City got the two good Monaco players. <laughs> And, uh, and Chelsea got the dud. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we'll see. Uh, Barcelona, obviously, very good. But I think I don't know if you can if if they can just put Kante man marking Messi. Easy peasy, piece of piss. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I mean, they've they've still got Iniesta and Coutinho, but that could work. Play three five two. Give Kante a man marking job, and then you're basically playing three four two. Still nice and symmetrical. Get big Oli G up top. Whack it up to him, hold up play, big man, little man. It's vintage, can't they? they? They could win like that. I am, though. We shall see. We shall. And the other Champions League game, Bayern Besiktas. Bayern will win. Yo. There we go. Well, on that fatal bombshell, I believe that's all we got time for this week. It is. Uh, it's been an honour and a privilege being with you boys. Thank you for coming along and stepping in. That's all right. It's a shame we didn't get to touch on the fact that Villa conceded a goal from within Fulham centre circle, but we've done it now. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> that's all that matters. Um, I know. How how do you like to sign off these things, boys? Do I say we're back next week? Because that'll be a lie. Because I'm not. So you might. Be, I might be. That's true. <laughs> 
you boys are back next week. Well, well I mean, we'll see you when we see you. Etienne, Etienne normally does a little kiss at the end. I haven't well, actually done it in a few months, but I mean, I can if you want. Right. I Just thought we were kiss. like clouding it in mystery over who did that. <laughs> Someone normally does a little kiss at the end. It's been revealed. It was actually you last it, time. Yeah, I happened, did last time. So well, you st- didn't, so I felt obliged. <laughs> Stitching me up. All right. Well, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for stepping in. If it's you're s- if you're still here at this point, yeah, I, I mean people you. have probably turned off by now. Haven't like, they? This is ten seconds short of an hour. Perfect. Like fair play, I f- almost feel like we should get to an hour now. Like you're just gonna keep talking for the next yeah, three, right. two, one second. Bye. This is Enigma Voices bringing you the 3 p.m. podcast. Yeah,